Welcome to Studio Tulsa. I'm Rich Fisher. The Philbrook Museum of Art opens a new exhibit drawn from their own collections when it opens Woven Worlds, basketry from the Clark Field Collection, the second in a series of uh, exhibitions and catalogs on different aspects. Wait a minute. This isn't right. Uh, the music is all wrong, and that guy sounds a little young. And he might also be a little overmodulated on the microphone. I am Scott Gregory, and I'm welcoming you today to Studio Tulsa, hosted, of course, by Rich Fisher, who is my guest today. <laughs> We're doing things a little differently as the program winds down. Thanks a lot for tuning in. We're going to learn all about how this show got started and uh, maybe learn a few things about Rich himself as well. Welcome to Studio Tulsa. I'm the producer and editor of this show. Today serving as the host, and our guest is the guy who's usually welcoming the guest. Richard Allen Fisher is his name. Rich Fisher, welcome to Studio Tulsa. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much, Scott. That's very weird, isn't it? It is uh, utterly bizarre. Yeah, this show began in August of 1992. That's correct, yes. And it was an hour long? It was an hour long. Uh, what happened was that KWGS, like a lot of public radio stations in those days, had a number of formats. We had classical music, and we had jazz music in the evening, and, and we had news primarily uh, during morning drive and afternoon drive. Mm -hmm. And so uh, during 1991 and 1992, we had strenuous debates over our future path because we were seeing that there were three distinct audiences. Okay. And to be able to be a part of NPR going into the future, we needed a single audience that was very supportive of that mission. And so we had strenuous debates. And I came from the music <laughs> like side. Like in-house arguments. Like, yes, yeah. exactly, okay. over what our future path would be. And I came from the music side, so I At was... At the time, you were a jazz host and I programmer. actually a classical host. I did program the jazz as well. Okay. And so I was advocating for a music path along with news. Right. Probably good news for the station, I lost the argument. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> and uh, Frank Crystal and Bill Knoll, who was then the program director, prevailed that going all news and information was the right path. And they were correct. Okay. And Frank was the manager at the time. Yes, he was. Okay. Instead of giving me the pink slip, which would, what would have happened at many, many radio stations, right. they said, we think you might be a pretty good interviewer. Hmm. And I said, no, I won't be. <laughs> <laughs> and literally for the first couple of months, I was kicking and dragging my feet. I had a co-host uh, the wonderful Edward Dumit, right. who was just about really to ready to retire. He co-hosted for the first year for me. Okay. And then I took over in 93. And when we were an hour until I became manager in 2000. Okay. But uh, I do remember the first moment when I said, oh, this might really work. Yeah. yeah. And I was uh, interviewing Ailey Wiesel. Wow. The Nobel laureate and yes. uh, famous writer. And of course, this was... Holocaust survivor. Right. This was 1992, and uh, the fall of 1992, and at this point, if you remember your 1992 history, uh, the world was aflame in the former Yugoslavia. Right. And Sarajevo, yes. you know, which had hosted the Olympics in, I guess, 88 or 84 or 88, I think 84, mm -hmm. here just 
eight years later, hmm. it was under siege. Right. And he had this wonderful telling remark. He said, you know, our, the 20th century began in Sarajevo, the beginning of World War One." Right. And he says, and now it is ending in Sarajevo. Yes, and he was, of course, you know, um, for want of a better phrase, sort of an authority on genocide. I mean, right. you know, just he was able to speak to that and... And, and and he also was sort of prescient that the new wars of the next century would be ethnic and, yes, yes. and tribal. And when he said that, it was just like, wow, yeah. that was very profound. And we had just had this moment. And that's when it started to click for me. Okay. Now, let me back up just a second. Edward Dumit, whom you mentioned, was the longtime like, broadcasting professor here at the university. Mm -hmm. And you still hear him on our air, the top of the hour. He does those announcements. He's got that melodious voice, Public Radio 89.5. That's right. Edward. Yeah. Yeah. Now, he had been here like the the 50s through the early 90s, something like that. Yeah, so uh, pretty much. Uh, he I, was just about to retire. He was. And you were, what, 13 or 14 when you got the gig? <laughs> <laughs> you, 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 Thank you. You, were, you had been um, a student worker at the station, but at this point you were just working at the station. I was you a had... professional. I was a music director, actually. Okay. Because right. Edward had shifted to being the arts producer. He okay. had sort of moved out of management, and he was basically uh, doing things like uh, he had a program that uh, did local uh, recordings of classical music. Right. He did the at that point, the Tulsa Philharmonic. He did things like that, Tulsa Opera. You know, he was, of course, so integrated into the Tulsa art scene. Right. And I sort of moved into that after he moved off the scene. But, uh, yeah, he was – and we were co-hosts. We each did a, an interview, and it added up to about an hour. Okay. And, and then uh, he said, I'm tired of this. I'm retiring. <laughs> he was ready to retire. Yeah. It became your baby. It did. Okay. And, and one of the things that was really wonderful about um, management at that time, uh, they basically said, do the things you're interested in. Yes, right. And uh, I, I've always quote uh, Balzac, who said, I'm shallow but wide. <laughs> right, right. And Very wide. And I tell you what, this program has made me a much, much wider over the 30 years. Yeah, it's, I wanted to ask about that. Was the, um, was the focus early on, like, I mean, it's always had arts in the picture, but what, was it like more of an arts program at the at the very start? It was just because that was our our two strengths. Yeah, for sure. And then uh, obviously, it's become more of a public affairs program. But obviously, at the time, the the University of Tulsa had a strong globalization sort of focus of the university. So they're bringing lots of international guests. So I became a very quick study yeah. on international relations and and you know political science. And, uh, you know, the current events, uh, you know, uh, currents in Europe and, and in Asia. And, and literally, I had a wonderful education through these great guests that were coming through. And, and you know, I, I began to glean things. And so that became a new interest area. As a musician, I've always been interested in the arts, but I really what, didn't have a great interest in visual arts. And that was another thing that has picked up. And I'm absolutely passionate about the visual arts right, now. Right, right. And that was something that came about solely through the show. I love that because that's so like uh, what we're about here and like the mission of public radio that in doing this program for so long, you um, developed those passions. And visual arts in particular, we've had so many, uh, you know, painters, sculptors, visual artists over the years on this show. And like... In real time, you became sort of an authority on that just through researching their work and getting ready to talk to them. And I'm not an authority, but <laughs> I'm a generalist. Yes, yes, um, but a passionate one. Yeah, I mean, no, you love this stuff. I and do. You, you know it. And, and let me get back to you, though. You had grown up in Sand Springs. 
a music student here at TU, trombone player, mm-hmm. and uh, through uh, your work here at the station as a student, you transitioned into becoming a staffer here at the station? Well, I left the station you for left? a couple of years, okay. and I worked at uh, KCMA, which was an, the other classical station in Tulsa at that time. But mainly I was doing it to supplement my music right. uh, work. And for a long time, I always used to joke. I says, I don't know if public radio is supplementing music or music is supplementing <laughs> public radio. <laughs> but, okay. And, you know, that was this is one thing that I've never shared this really, but it's it's as far as my identity, for the longest time I was a musician that did public radio. Right. I realize now I'm a, a public radio person that does music. Mm-hmm. But, but it, it took a long time to sort of morph that identity that public radio was what I really did not necessarily music first and foremost because that's the most that's the deepest in my heart yeah I still love to do it today yes and of course we've had uh, musicians on the show all throughout the 30-year history of the program you've been great with them from the start because you are one but ish um, yeah yeah right ish <laughs> but you have authors on we have uh, Candidates running for office. We have people uh, who are leaders in the community. We have all of, all of these people are on the show, and and I want to get into prepping for them, and to what degree you can plan out an interview because it is something with the beginning and a middle and an end. You know, like a poem or a play or whatever. It has a start, it has a narrative, and then it. It ends. And it has a 30-minute limit. And it has a 30-minute time span. So um, getting to 30 is sometimes quite a chore, isn't it? Sometimes. Most of the time, it's keeping it under 30. Right. It's, you know, I think that's that's really, you know, with a good guest, it's no problem doing 30 minutes. Okay. With a guest that is reticent, that uh, may not be prepared. Sure. You know. Which, uh, I mean, it happens. Yeah. And sometimes. Sometimes you have guests that are used to speaking in 45-second answers. Right. Uh, you know, sound bites. Yeah. And getting to 30 minutes, that's a lot of questions. Yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's a lot. So do you write them out ahead of time? That's about uh, 45 questions. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, sometimes, did you write them out in advance, the questions, more when you were just getting started? I imagine now you don't have to do that every I, time. I, I do it pretty regularly. Now, whether I ask them or not, uh-huh. that's a whole nother matter. Sure. But I certainly have a game plan for what I want to do uh-huh. and what I want to explore. But I I also feel like I have to be open to what my guest says. Uh-huh. I have to be listening to what my guest says. I should never be looking at my questions unless I can feel like this topic has been exhausted. Right. And so, but I, I still write them quite often. Some I don't because I know the person. I know very intimately the the material we're going to cover. But especially with anything having to do with foreign affairs, uh, with nonfiction writing in which, you know, something, say, about the opioid crisis. Yeah, something sort of technical or yes, very newsy. Yes. I, I'm going to write those questions because I want to be able to state them in a particular way. Because, and especially as I've gotten older, this is one thing you and I have, as my producer, have noticed, that sometimes off the cuff, I have a hard time getting to the question mark, if you will. Uh And so that helps me get to the question mark. Right, right. I imagine, I mean, this is sort of like in life, um, when you're talking to someone you know well, or at least 
you know, you're talking to someone you've spoken with many times in the past or whatever, you, you talk in an entirely different way. Like it's much more amicable and natural and you're just kind of going with the flow. But when you really have something where you're trying to hit all these marks, that's uh, what more, is that more the case? I try to always take the same approach. You may hear it differently as my producer, but uh-huh. but certainly even with someone, say, like Marcello that I've had on. Yes. Marcello well, Angelini from Tulsa Ballet. Right. You know, we always joke every time he comes in and says, you know, we started this gig together. Yeah. You know, he, became, <laughs> he became head of Tulsa Ballet about the same time I, I started doing this show. Uh-huh. And I still try to take that approach, which is friendly, but informative, inquisitive. Yeah. And, and also trying as much as possible to shut up when the guest is talking. Right. Get out of the way. Get out of the way. Let them tell the story. And uh, I I like to think I take the same approach, but obviously there's a familiarity and we're going to have jokes that I might not do with a person I'm meeting first time. Yeah. Marcello is a great example of a wonderful guest who's been on many, many times. And there are a lot of those. His English is much better now. (laughs) (laughs) He will like that. Yeah, absolutely. He'll appreciate that. Um, Favorite interviewers, favorite uh, in radio, TV, or whatever, anybody you want to name check as an influence or at least somebody you really appreciate? Of course, Terry Gross is the gold standard, I think. Yeah. Uh, And certainly someone I modeled uh, a bit after. Right. Um, But I also like, um, believe it or not, Larry King, not for the Larry King bluster, but Larry King had a great way of, of basically setting out the stage for the guests to do the work. Right, right. It, you know, yeah. in the work of the interview, which is tell me what this is about, yeah. why it's interesting, why I should invest my time in reading your book or right. investing in this issue. I, I mean, as I, I would not emulate many of Larry King's uh, attributes, but that would be one. Hmm. I also liked, um, he used to do The Late Show, The Late Late Show, on CBS. Letterman? No, it was um, uh, the English guy. Oh, yeah, Craig... Um, Craig Connolly? Craig, no. I, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm... I'm blanking on it as well. I know. What did well, you like about him? See, this is why I'm stopping. No, I this can't is... come up with these names anymore. <laughs> uh, but, but he was also a wonderful conversationalist mm-hmm. and interviewer. Yeah. And, of course, Jack Parr was all... I've gone back and watched old Jack Parr shows. Yes. And even though it was Hollywood and, yes, it was... Glitzy. Glitzy. It was less glitzy than certainly today. Oh, my gosh. And there, yeah. were, there were good conversations. There, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, you know, Larry King once said, I think sort of famously, I haven't read your book. Tell me why I should read your book. Tell me what it's about. And he would just get, get people talking. Yeah. And I remember one time hearing Letterman uh, talking to Larry King, and Larry King said um, something along the lines of, what is a difficult interview? And Letterman comes back with, well, you know, there's not really a difficult interview in the sense that everybody's interesting and it's just about getting them to tell their story. And, you know, um, it's, it's, not, it's not like a chore once you get people to open up. Yeah. They're open. They're going to let it happen. But then Letterman was quick to add, um, making a joke, of course, um, you know, the exception is, you know, like if you have Neil Armstrong on and he says, don't ask me about the moon. <laughs> like there's, there's a, there's a certain difficulty, I think sometimes when people don't want to go in a certain direction or they have mm-hmm. things they're not going to reveal. Um, has that been a constant with your, with your line of work? You know, 
I, I tend to forget those. Uh-huh. Uh, they they have happened. Yeah, they happen. But the, they're like you know, info in, info out. Yeah, because I, you it, have to move on. Right. You're just trying to get your thirty minutes. But I've been surprised at how many people have been extremely open. And I tell you one thing, I feel like is, uh, you know, I did used to work on the phone. Now I work on Zoom, and I and still even on Zoom, we don't have camera. And I think one of my best attributes is the way I listen in person mm-hmm. where I'm using my face, which I you can't see on the radio mm-hmm. right now, but I am looking at you. I am I'm gesturing with, you. with your hand. I'm with you right. in the story as you're telling that. And I'm nodding my head and I'm, I'm eye contact. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And some guests love that. Some guests will automatically avert their eyes <laughs> and tell their, <laughs> tell their story, right. which, you know, yeah. in, in classic, uh, uh, you know, body language that says I'm prevaricating. Yes, right, right. Um, and we know that we rely more and more on our screens and our technology, um, and that's only going to increase. But over the lifespan of this show, have you, like, been able to discern uh, changes in the way people talk or communicate or tell their story? Hmm. Or has it been just kind of you're talking to them? Well, the only thing I can say the big difference is there's always a phone in the room. Okay. And uh, most sometimes of the time, it goes off. <laughs> the phone goes off occasionally, or you know, I've noticed a few guests that even though they're in the moment, they will look about ten or fifteen minutes in, just checking in on the phone real quick okay. while I'm doing a re-identification. Yeah, it's the attention span which is thing. probably, we should be doing a re-ID <laughs> at some point. Yeah, I was going to say, you want to do the ID or should I? No, you should. You're, you're, you're running Okay, you're listening today. to... <laughs> this is so weird. Uh, you're listening to Studio Tulsa, and I'm Scott Gregory, sitting in for Rich Fisher because Rich is sitting in the other chair. He's over there. Um, we're talking to Rich about the program and its long history, its uh, origin and development, and a little about you yourself, Rich. I know that, like, you don't love talking about yourself. I do not. There's a reason why you're the guy asking the questions. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, uh, But you're doing fine, and I think listeners want to know this. Uh, They've been with us a long time. You mentioned how uh, Marcello is just one example of a great guest whom we had on many times over the life of this show, and there were so many. Um, we won't name them all, but I'm, I'm thinking now of the uh, wonderful long-running engagement we had with the Tulsa Committee on Foreign Relations yes. and Bob Donaldson, and tell me how that started. Well, you know, actually, uh, when Bob was president of the University of Tulsa, uh-huh. he did a little radio show here, and I was his Final producer. Oh wow! Okay, because he had taught Poli Sci. Or, yes, okay. and he did a, a little program called Worldview. Okay, and many of the guests. When was this? Uh, okay, sorry, nineties. Yeah, nineties. Okay, yeah, yeah, nineteen ninety to about ninety three or four. Okay, and uh, he was bringing in many guests to the university, and generally he would do a short interview with them, and so I was producing those with him uh, during that time, and and then. He uh, got involved with, at that point, it was the Tulsa Council on Foreign Relations. Okay. And he started uh, asking if I wanted to talk to some of those guests that were coming in. I said, yes, absolutely. Yeah. And it's been a real education. And it's interesting how that, that organization flows when there's a Republican president. They tend to be, <laughs> they tend to be Democratic uh, sort of affiliated guests. And yes. then when there's a Democratic president, they tend to be uh-huh. more uh, 
conservative gas right. because it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's like the, the people that are out of power sure. are the people going out and doing these, these uh, uh, foreign relations uh, talks. But, uh, As if to check the powers that be. Yeah, or, or just to give a different viewpoint. Right, right. But and I've had some amazing discussions with um, uh, people uh, I know during the Bush era. Uh, we had a uh, John Holzman who right. was a uh, he was uh, basically at um, the Heritage Foundation, but he was a pretty centrist uh, conservative, and I think at some point he was no longer at the Heritage Foundation because the Heritage Foundation moved much further right. Right, and he was telling me about you know these conversations that were going on between the the basically defense foreign policy apparatus and the then Bush administration and how they weren't listening, you know, generally in government, even though the people that are in power still talk to the people out of power before they make momentous decisions. Mm -hmm. And one of the things he said, he says, they're not listening to anybody. Wow. Yeah. And that was pretty telling. That was, gosh, that was, you know, 15, 20 years ago now, but... A precursor of things to come, in a way. Um, <laughs> in so many ways. Yes. Now, and, and for those who don't know, the uh, Tulsa Committee on Foreign Relations is sort of a subscription series where people go to these lectures, they have essentially purchased a ticket in advance, and so we're not really promoting the event. We're talking to these experts while they're in town to do this pres to do this private presentation. Yeah, it's really. a I should say it is a private organization, and it's a it's more of a remarks sort of thing yeah. uh, for the for the people that are attending. But it, it gives a wide range of Tulsa leaders some insight on what's happening internationally. Absolutely, and you know something that's going on here in town. So it, it sort of touches on that note as well. Um, the, uh, gosh, so many to mention, we've had a long-standing, wonderful relationship with the guest conductors at the Tulsa Symphony yeah. Orchestra, curators and experts and officials from Philbrook Museum, Gilcrease Museum, Living Arts, any number of other galleries and art spaces, the Hogue Gallery here on the TU campus. Mm -hmm. We've had many people from the local theater scene. Um, gosh, I want to make sure I named, we've, who have been the producers on this show? I got here 16 years ago. We're, we we had before that uh, Brian Byrne. Brian Byrne. Before that, uh, Jonathan Scott Chin. Uh, Brian is now in Oklahoma City working uh, down there, I believe, in some media capacity. Okay. Uh, uh, and uh, Jonathan Scott Chin is uh, now uh, produces commercials and films in New York City. Okay. And uh, and directs uh, films uh, and commercials there. Uh, he was here for a little while. Before that. Um, I had some student producers, Dan Bryan, who uh, is went into the Peace Corps and stayed in Ecuador, I believe. Wow. Um, and uh, had Tom Neely, who was a young upcoming artist and now is in, in Los Angeles doing his brand of art and animation. Okay. Um, worked for Disney for a little while, and then he's, he does his own sort of underground comics stuff today. Okay. interesting. And then uh, Casey Morgan was a, a, sort of a, a producer of sorts, and then Bill Knoll was our first producer, who oh. was the, the program director when we were getting started. Right, and Casey was, for a number of years, the development director here at the station. As well, yeah. yeah. Okay. And um, has the commentary segment always been a part of the show? It has. Uh and I, I want to take this opportunity Please to do. thank uh, Barry Friedman, Connie Cronley, and Mark Darrow, who's joined us a few years ago. But we also had Ian Scholes uh, for a number from of San years. Francisco, who did uh, work for us. Uh, 
We have uh, Jeff Martin did some. Mm-hmm. The late David McKenzie did a number Wonderful of pieces. Wonderful music pieces. Yeah, uh, about the the origins of popular song from the Great American Songbook. Right. Uh, and uh, John Schumann was. I know that I met John. Yeah, John and, did and some. Jeff Martin through this show. I was producing their commentaries when they were, you know, just like that's how they came on. And of uh, course, John Schumann uh, is a wonderful Monday host, and mm-hmm. and uh, hopefully we'll be able to use him in in the fall in some other capacities. Uh, mm-hmm. You want to say any more about that? You know, we're kicking around the idea of doing a, a once a week a weekend show with John and myself. Uh, doing it, you know, what we've been doing, but really trying to connect more with community issues rather than as, you know, in more recent years, I've done a lot of books, some of which, you know, have direct influence on issues going on, but other times they're, you know, just good reading. Yeah. It's more like just a book show. Yeah. And and this won't be a book show. It'll be more about the issues going on here in Tulsa, but uh, we're still kicking that around and figuring out how that's going to work. The three uh, fine... Tulsa area writers that we have as commentators now, Connie, Mark, and Barry, uh, they all came on through, what, you just meeting them and inviting them? Well, Connie always loves to tell this story. We were at the original Ron's at 15th. <laughs> on Harvard. Uh, well, <laughs> 15th yeah. and Harvard. Yeah, yeah 15th right. and Harvard. Right, right. On and 15th we were we were waiting on burgers, and, you know, I'd, I'd had a few people doing commentary on a sort of ad hoc basis, and I said, why don't you do some commentary for me? And and so she took it, took me up on it, and she's been doing it ever since. Okay. So, yes, it, we came together over a couple of hamburgers at Ron's. <laughs> I love that place. There were like eight chairs. It was very small in there. <laughs> That's right. And, and, and Barry, you've known a while. Um, yep. You brought him on at some point. Yeah, I can't remember when Barry started doing that. But uh, Barry was doing a few things, and I really encouraged him just, you know, to, to do that writing. And, of course, he was doing writing already. But, uh-huh. but uh, yeah, he's been a you know, pretty constant on the, on the station is and wonderful like, writing. And like Connie and, uh, and Mark, um, has published books collecting really the commentaries he's done on this program. Some, yeah, of, of which, what he did for us was some of it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We have, um, covered just about everything. I wonder if we should reveal, uh, the, uh, theme music for this show, which did you pick it? No. Okay. I, I picked... I never. I don't think I ever. I picked one theme. I've had like three or four themes during the years. Okay, and generally my producers have picked. Them. Yeah. Well, the the theme music was in place uh, when I got here, and I didn't change it. But no. if you are keeping score at home, there's this uh, movie from the early '90s called Little Man Tate. It's a Jodie Foster film. Pretty good movie, as I recall. Um, But the intro and the outro, the beginning and the ending music of this show are both from the soundtrack to that film, which is from, I guess it's Mark Isham. Yep. And I actually actually reached Mark Isham, asked for his permission. I knew better than to go to the... The, the, to to the the film studio, but but I did ask his permission. He goes, yeah, sure, fine, okay, whatever. Cool, yeah. Um, a noted <laughs> film composer. He's sort of a trumpet player and electronic musician, and uh, that's that's been the theme, man. Well, we also did one uh, from Don Byram for a while. From clarinet player, he was doing uh, uh, the music of um, oh uh, Raymond Scott. Yes, that was uh, yeah, that sort for of frenetic twenties music. And then uh, before that, we had a local musician write something for us, uh, Jeff Shadley, yes. who now lives in Dallas. But uh, he did a, a piece for us for about six, four or five, six years. And then before that, we had uh, Alphonse Mouzon's yes. Early Spring. And that was the first one. And it really 
reeks of about 1984. <laughs> Hasn't aged well, maybe. A little smoothie jazz. Okay. Um, well, uh, on behalf of everyone listening to me now, Rich, thank you for the show. Thank oh, you very well, thank much. You. Uh, and thank you because you have done yeoman's work in, in making me sound uh, and making all of the guests and I sound very intelligent and uh, well put together, even on those days when we're not so well put together. <laughs> well, <laughs> and it's been a pleasure. And I have to tell you, uh, I want to thank everyone who's listened uh, over the years because it's just been a joy to do this and, and to hear constructive not so constructive feedback, uh, and and you know people who really appreciate what we've been doing, and it's it's just been uh, I'm, you know humbled to to do it over the years. Right, right, well put. And uh, our half hour, it would seem, is up. Thank you again so much, Rich, for this program. Well, thank you. Rich Fisher is the host of Studio Tulsa, which will conclude tomorrow, as in Friday. I'm Scott Gregory. Thanks for tuning in to Studio Tulsa.